You are listening to audio from Central Baptist Church in Mansfield, Texas. If you would like to get more involved or get more information about our church, stick around after the message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, join me. Genesis chapter number 3. So Genesis 3 is actually one of the passages that I have preached or taught from the most. And one of the reasons is just because it's so foundational to life today, what you deal with daily. You can trace it back to Genesis 3. What families deal with daily, you can trace it back to Genesis 3. Um, um, real quick before I forget, because I probably won't remember afterwards, Trustees, deacons, Saturday, um, we need to hear at uh, 9 o'clock. Um, and then remember Sunday school, this coming Sunday's at 9.30, I'd love to have you. Um, brother Chuck has a class, going through Acts. What part of Acts are you in, brother? Nope, not Acts. What are you going through? Matthew. Okay. He is faster than I am. <laughs> so going through the first book in the New Testament. I see. Let's see. So um, his is back there in the fellowship hall. Man, he'd love to have you. Verse by verse. In my opinion, that's the best way to teach. Verse by verse. Um, and he'd love to have you back there. My class is in here. Yes, ma'am. There you go. Um, so he, he, they'd love to have you back there. Um, and then we have kids' classes. Miss Leslie, Miss Hope teaching those. Teen class going on. Um, so we'd love to have you 930 church service at 11. Okay. Um, last week we looked at Satan. Um, we talked about him being the leader of that demonic army. We also talked about how the devil had a plan specific for each and every one of us now it might not be the devil's plan but you know they had the demon realm has a plan to defeat each and every one of us ephesians 6 11 i believe it's in your handout reminds us of this put on the whole armor of god that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil the devil has a plan um, if the devil has a plan to defeat you you need to have a plan to overcome his attack. Um, because um, the evil one's approach, it, has, it hasn't changed. What we're going to read tonight, it, it should sound very familiar. Because the devil works the exact same way. I mean, God has literally given us how the devil works. It's the exact same plan. He may nuance it for each individual, but it's the exact same plan. I mean, think about what 2 Corinthians 2.11 says. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, of his plans. We shouldn't be ignorant. If you are ignorant to how the devil works, Christian, that's on you. Uh, you can know how the devil attacks. My duty today is really just to tell you, you're under attack. The implication is that this fight that we're going through is happening right now. I believe it was Brother Taylor last week after the, the sermon was done. Um, uh, and he came up to me and said, you know, the devil doesn't go to the bars. He's already got that place. You know where the devil attacks us? Right around here. 
Yeah, right around here. If you ever have trouble in church, just know there's a reason for it. And we shouldn't be ignorant of that. You're under attack right now. Some of you probably feel it. Satan and his forces are coming after you, your family, coming after your future, coming after your relationships. You're under attack. Friend, if someone were to break into my house tonight and come after my family, what do you think I'm going to do? Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sit in my bed and go, oh, man, I hope he doesn't go upstairs. I'm not going to sit in my bedroom and go, oh, I, I, I hope he doesn't um, come this way. Um, I'm not going to look at my wife and say, oh, Mary Lee, please get up and do something. <laughs> right? What am I going to do? In just a blink of an eye, there's going to be a transformation that takes place, and I'm going to become the amalgamation of Rambo, Jackie Chan, Jason Bourne, and Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> right? I will fight to the finish because I eat my spinach. Can I get a witness? Come on. With ketchup. Listen, I'll turn a lamp into a martial weapon. You know what I'm talking about? A martial arts weapon. I may not be dressed appropriately, but that's not going to matter. Because they'll see fierce like they've never seen it. Right? Because I know there's a fight, and it's my job to fight for what's right. The devil, however, has lulled so many Christians to sleep spiritually. Many are under attack from the devil. It's almost like he's walked into their house and they don't do anything about it. What kind of man will listen to someone breaking into their home and not do anything about it? But what kind of Christian sees the devil working doesn't do anything about it. I think you could agree. The most dangerous spot to be in is in a battle and not know it. Yeah, yeah. Saying strategies are all aimed at trying to kill, to steal, to destroy us. Satan hates us, man, with a passion. He hates God. He hates his hatred is manifested through the schemes to try to destroy God's people. And he'll use every tactic, every weapon in his arsenal to get your focus off of him and off of the Lord. One of Satan's greatest tools is deception. And can you think of any better deceptive tool than to get Christians to just be apathetic? towards what he's doing? When we least expect it, we can be lulled into a trap set by the enemy. We must become more aware of Satan's schemes and take the steps to fight back. Today we're dealing with the devil and his battle plan. I'm going to use, um, I believe, five words. They all start with D. And we're going to go through them one by one. But let's look at the first five verses. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, 
neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Number one, the first thing the devil's going to try to get not just us, but people in the world to do, is to doubt. Man, he wants us to doubt. Satan's strategy is to cast doubt. Notice the first voice we hear in this narrative. The first thing he does is oppose God and God's sovereignty. We see this in the phrase, did God actually say? One translation renders it, really? Did God really say? The serpent's scheme should be pretty obvious to us. It's a scheme that continues to this day. He wants to stir up doubt by attacking and discrediting God's word. Man, that's what the devil wants to do. He'll put, I mean, I watched, I, I think it was God. It kept me up a couple hours last night. There's a preacher, and he put a TikTok out. I've never followed this preacher before. I just, right before I went to bed, there it was. And he, I, I watched it because someone sent it to me. And he just talked about God's word. And this preacher started saying things, well, um, we can't believe in an inerrant word. The Bible has thousands of mistakes. There are things wrong with it historically, culturally. There are things wrong with it scientifically. It is a book that you can enjoy. He ended it like this. It is most certainly not God's word. And the thing is, his church has got more members than our church. Our, our, we don't need that. Our church has members. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. But the same tactic is literally happening right now. God want, or the devil wants to get you to doubt God's word. But there's something that we probably miss if we don't look at it a little bit more closely. Just think about how the serpent uses the name of God. In this passage, he just calls him in the Hebrew Elohim. Now, the Bible does that a number of times. But this is the most impersonal, most generic name for God in the Bible. But it's interesting because of where it's placed. Because the most personal name for God, Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, is used 20 times in Genesis 1 and 2. But here Satan is using sarcastic language in a mocking sort of way. Did God actually say that? Really? It's as if Satan is saying, come on, did that one deity say it like that? The serpent doesn't take a direct approach here. Notice, he hasn't really gone too far off the um, theological loop. He, he's just trying to put a little bit of doubt and then build from there. 
you have to be on guard because this is exactly what the devil will do to you. Give you just a little bit of doubt. And before you know it, you haven't been in church in six months. Before you know it, you, your kids aren't in church anymore. Before you know it, I mean, the, it can happen just like that. Satan still attacks God's word like this, calling into question its accuracy, authenticity, and authority. Has God really said, still uses that today? Friend, we have to know. We should be able to stand firm and say that the Bible trumps our opinions. That this is the word of God. And if my opinion goes against what God's word plainly teaches, my opinion needs to change and not God's word. The second thing, so he starts with doubt, but he then goes to demean. The question the serpent asks in the last part of verse 1 was intended to demean God. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Is that really what God said? I think the serpent, if serpents could do this, maybe this is their natural face, but he had a sneer on his face. Sarcasm filled his voice. And it's almost like he's asking it this way. Why has God restricted you from the best of the delights of this place? The thing that would give you more fun than anything else, more pleasure than anything else. Do you think that's fair, Eve? The first question in the Bible, I think this is the first time anybody's ever asked a question, at least according to the Bible. The first question in the Bible was designed to smuggle in doubt in Eve's soul. The serpent took God's words and twisted them, causing Eve to doubt God's greatness and his goodness. By mocking God, the serpent got her to focus on what was forbidden. We can see how the serpent's crafty way started to influence Eve in her conversation with the devil. Temptation always thrives on dialogue. Ooh, man, that's good. Temptation always thrives on dialogue. Surely we can come to a compromise. Surely we can talk this out. Maybe there is something I could do. And if the dialogue isn't with anybody physical, it's most certainly with ourselves. Starts with the dialogue. In verse 2 and 3, we see how Eve distorts what God said. Did you notice? She says in verse 2, The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. That's an interesting way to put it. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. Did you notice that? We'll talk about that here in a second. God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. But is that really what God said? Let's go back. Go with me to verse 16 of Genesis chapter 2. Here's what God said. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden. Did you notice the difference? God says, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, freely eat, enjoy it. Verse 17 adds to that, but of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. So God gives it a name, while Eve just says, that one tree in the middle. 
thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Do you notice some things? I noticed a number of ways Eve distorted it. One of the ways, she omitted the phrase freely eat. She just simply said, we may eat. God wanted them to eat with great delight in their hearts. He wanted them to eat till they were content. But she downplayed God's gracious permission. It's as if she said, yeah, I guess we have some food to eat if we get really hungry. But the second thing, she adopted the serpent's preferred name for God. Chapter number two, especially, it was Lord God. But here, she just says Elohim. She begins to depersonalize God in her heart. The third way, she added to God's prohibition with the phrase, neither shall you touch it. God never said you couldn't touch it. So she's added to God's word. The fourth way, she omitted in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And replace it with lest you die which changes it from a certainty to only a possibility. I know it's wrong, but I probably won't get caught. Right? Steve Cole writes it like this. Notice how Eve is drawn into Satan's line of thinking. Her reply magnifies the strictness of God on the one hand, but softens his threat of judgment on the other. She is falling into Satan's trap by changing the character of God to be more to her liking. Eve was already beginning to waver. The fall really took place before she ate the fruit. Eve diminished, added to, subtracted from, and softened God's word. This made it easier to disregard what God had said. The third thing was denial. After Satan disguises himself, the uh, the uh, serpent raises doubts. They demean God. Eve distorts the view of God. Next, the serpent unleashes a direct attack on the Almighty. In verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, in reply to what she had just said, Ye shall not surely die. This is a very emphatic statement in Hebrew. It's in the strongest tense that a Hebrew could write in. It literally reads, not you shall surely die. The serpent quoted what God had said and put the word not in front of it. The serpent is saying God is not holy, that sin is not that serious, and his judgment isn't even real. While the serpent started out by being sly and subtle, he now strikes quickly because he senses a victim. This is the first bold lie that Satan tells on earth. It's true of his character. I believe I put it in your handout. This is a verse you should memorize. John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Lies come from him. The first doctrine the serpent denied was God's judgment. He deceived Eve by telling her 
she will by no means die, or more literally, you will positively not die. Listen to me, friend. God is loving. Man, we can never understand the depth of his love. God is gracious. We should be grateful for this. God is merciful. But God will also judge sin. There is a hell and a lake of fire. And real people every moment of the day are facing God's wrath and judgment. That doesn't have to be you. Hear me, it doesn't have to be you. Don't downplay it. The serpent hisses in her ear, go ahead, eat the fruit, because you can sin and get away with it. This is a direct attack on the power and justice of God. And the attack that we see here, it's shrapnel, is still being seen to this day. I came across this insight from a book, The Day America Told the Truth. That would be a good day. <laughs> it said this, people want to sin. Man, that is the truth. Listen, I'm just going to say this. Sunday, we're going to have church services. If we had the membership of Central Baptist Church come to church Sunday, we'd have to pull out seats. But most aren't going to come. Do you know why? Because people do what they want to do. Not what God wants them to do. People want to sin, it said, more than they want to do what's right. They do not want anyone, including God, to tell them that they cannot sin. Or to condemn them for doing so. Isn't that the truth number four desire to move eve over the edge look what verse five says for god this is the serpent talking for god doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing or maybe controlling good and evil that is quite a promise. Quite a promise. To move her over the edge, the serpent appealed to her desire. Friend, you have to know that innate within you are sinful desires. And they are tweaked just right for you. There are certain things that I struggle with that you will never struggle with. Because I have different desires than you. It's part of what makes us individuals. We have different desires. But here's the thing. The devil has had his henchmen, so to speak, watching us since birth. And don't you know they have a report that tells them all about the personal desires that you have? Don't you think it's interesting that Satan didn't show up on the very first day after Eve was created? Don't you think that Satan was filling out that report of her desires? And he personalized this attack just for her. Satan tries to question the justice of God, the love of God. Millions of people are swayed by Satan to think that they could live however they like because there is no judgment. While others believe the lie that God doesn't love them. Um, Christians believe this lie. I had a counseling session this week. 
And this is something that this person believed. Satan promises pleasure, but never mentions the shame, the pain, and the guilt. Until you do it, and then he's more than happy to give it. Essentially, the serpent promised the fulfillment of five desires. Think about this. The serpent is promising to her that you'll be omniscient. You're going to know good and evil. You're going to be omniscient. You're going to be omnipotent. You can control these things. You're going to be equal to God. You'll be morally autonomous. You can decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. Does that sound familiar in 2023? You will be sovereign over your life. And no one can tell you what to do. Doesn't that sound nice? Man, my kids will love that. <laughs> Anybody else? They would love that. They would love that. They wouldn't get up for school. They would eat only chips. Chips. They wouldn't get dressed. I don't know when they would take a shower. I, I, if they would ever take, I don't, maybe they would never learn how to do the shower. Anybody else? Um, uh, I would hate to think if they didn't run out of toilet paper, what would happen? You know what I'm saying? Because this is the end of children. They need parents. Hey, parents, they need you. They need you to tell them what to do. It, it would be terrible on your children if you let them do whatever they want to do. Why do we think we're any better? Can I repeat that? Why do we think we're any better or smarter? Meet someone that always does what they want to do. Can I tell you where they are? Prison. They did whatever they wanted to do, and then the law got them. You know how I know that? Because I've met those people. It always ends up that way. Kent Hughes says this. This must have been intoxicating to Eve. Somehow the serpent managed to make the tree of the knowledge of good and evil seem as if it were, in fact, the tree of life. When we discredit God's goodness, sin won't seem so sinful. I love the song that we sing, The Goodness of God. It should be a reminder of how bad it is without him. When we deny God's judgment, we, we always think we can just get away with sin. We can always justify disobedience if we try hard enough. Disobedience to God's word never brings greater freedom. Instead, it brings spiritual death. John 8, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So what do we do? The devil still works the exact same way. How do we stop it? The first thing is, you have to affirm the authority of the Bible in your life. This is God's word. Affirm that authority. Brothers and sisters, in order to stand on the authority of the Bible, we must read it daily. You have to. Get in God's book. You're not going to know what to do unless you know what to do. Can I get a witness that was good? It was. It's the most, my son could have said that to us. 
You're not going to know what to do until you know what to do. And it's in the Bible. Read it daily. Study it. Listen, we got a library in my office. Come get a book. Memorize it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not, what? Sin against thee. Quote it. Your kids need to hear it. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, Matthew chapter number 4, do you know how he defeated the devil? He said it three times for three different temptations. It is written. He quoted the Old Testament. He knew the scriptures. Friend, when you're fighting against the devil, you know what your number one weapon is? This book. The second thing we need to do is run from temptation. Christian, you are not, we talked about this last week, you're not stronger than the devil. The devil will, is stronger than you. If you go toe-to-toe against the devil with nothing else, you will lose every single time. Run from temptation. Don't dialogue the situation. Don't talk with the devil. Eve's first mistake was having a conversation with a talking snake. Can I get a witness? Don't talk with the devil. Don't dialogue. When Potiphar's wife came into Joseph, Joseph ran away. Run away. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able... That is not the right verse. Let's go there. Is that wrong in your handout too? Go to 1... That is not the right verse. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. Maybe God wanted you to see it on, in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 10. This is a good verse. Be a good memory verse. It says this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. Listen to me. You're not special. Aren't you glad you came to church? (laughs) You're not special. The devil's schemes aren't special for you only. Your your temptations aren't harder than anyone else's. The same temptation that you go through, other people have gone through. They're common to man. But here's what you need to hold on to. God is faithful for every temptation. Think about what it says. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. That ye may be able to bear. What does he? He doesn't give you the power necessarily to defeat the temptation. What does he do? He shows you a path to run away. Get out of the temptation. Don't fight against it. Don't say I'm going to be stronger than you as you're kneeling in defeat. Run away. Run away. So you run from temptation. Then number three, gather with God's people every week. Can I tell you? If you study anything about, if you tonight started a theological study on the devil, one thing should become obvious. And really, it's something that he's kind of referred to a number of times. The most obvious passage is the one I give to you on your paper, which is the right verse, by the way. <laughs> it says, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. So be watchful, be ready. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, Seeking whom he may devour. How do lions attack? Do you ever watch videos of this? I mean, they're, it's brutal, right? 
they attack the one that's stuck all by himself in the mud, right? You've seen this. They, they attack the one that got lost. They attack the one that got away from the herd. What's the common denominator? They attack the one, the devil attacks the one that has estranged himself, that has isolated himself from the herd. Friend, it's not an accident under the Holy Spirit's inspiration that Peter said roaring lion and not a barn cat. Right? It's the same principle. He's there and he's watching for those that will get away from the herd. This is why you should be a part of a church and then you should be a faithful part of a church. Because the devil wants to attack you and he's waiting for the perfect time when you get all by yourself in discouragement. When you get all by yourself feeling defeated, here comes the devil to secure his victory. Don't let it happen. Church Sunday at 9, 30, and 11. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We're located at 700 North Walnut Creek Drive in Mansfield, Texas. You can visit our website at cbcmansfield.com or follow us at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CBC Mansfield. Thanks again for joining us.